see you guys all here today. It's an honor to be here today with you. Um, I have some, some family in from Texas today. So, uh, yeah. So extra pressure, right? I better not mess up. I tr I'll try to be brief today, but there's a message that God has been talking to me about. Um, I'm going to talk to you today about promises and expectations. Uh, so let's go, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we just bless your name today, God. We bless your name because you're so good, Lord, and you're faithful, God. And so that, that's more than enough. That could, that's more than we could ever dream or desire. It's like you're just your goodness, Lord. So we just bless your word, God. We bless the speaker, and we bless this congregation in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said, I want to talk to you guys about promises and expectations. You know, I think it's important that we live our lives aware of the promises that God has made us and the expectations that we should have for those promises. Because if we live a life without any promise or any expectation, we're just going we're just going to live, right? And and we'll just live one day at a time, but we'll never get anywhere or do anything. We're, we're just going to live. We'll look back on our lives and say like, "Well, I never did anything or I never did anything with my life. I never went anywhere." You know? So it's good to have promises and expectations in our lives. You know, the other day I was driving and God was talking to me in the car and, he's, and he asked me, you know why the people of Israel never made it into the promised land? You know why they actually never get, went into the promised land? And I was like, well, yeah, because they didn't believe, you know. And he's like, yeah, you're sort of there. But he's like, you know, it's not because they didn't have a leader. They, have a, they had a really great leader. They had Moses. A leader that had been a warrior for 40 years, then been in the desert for another 40 years. God took him through the desert first so that he could experience and then take his people through the desert, right? Then he brought him back. So Moses was proven. He was a proven leader, right? It wasn't because God wasn't with him. God was with him. It wasn't because it wasn't promised. It was the promised land, you know? So... And it's not because God didn't take them to the promised land. They were at the border. They saw it, you know. And it was just because they settled. They settled in the desert. Why? Because they thought, as long as I'm not a slave in Egypt, as long as I'm not being oppressed by the Egyptians, I'm good here. I'm good here, you know. And I think sometimes that's the kind of attitude or perspective that we have, especially in today's church, is that we think, oh, well, God, I'm already saved. I'm not oppressed anymore. I'm free. But you know what? I, I'm good. Like, I'm good now. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, you, I know you have these promises for me that you, you know, you promise to prosper me, to, to not leave me or, you know, to never forsake me but to, to prosper my life and, and do good things for me, you know? But, but I'm good here. And I think what happens is that we settle because, you know, we either don't want to fight the good fight, we don't want to believe, or we just think, you know, it's okay as long as I'm, I'm not in jail, as, not, as long as I'm not, you know, homeless, 
as long as I just have my every day. And the interesting thing is that in the desert, you know what they had? They had daily provision. They were living day by day by day. Nothing that would go over the next day. That's the desert, is you live day by day. There's no inheritance. There's no, nothing like, let's put some of this in our tent because we're going to use it for tomorrow. There's none of that. It's just day by day. That's the desert. And so if we don't believe God's promises, we're going to live day by day. But God doesn't want us to live that way. God wants us to enter into the promised land. That all the promises that are in the Bible are for us today. That he wants to prosper you, that's today. God wants to prosper you today. You know that, that he's got dreams for you, he's got dreams for you. Are you dreaming the same dreams God is dreaming? Are you looking at the things the way that God is looking at them? You know? So they never reached the promised land because they settled. You know, God isn't raising slaves or servants. God is raising confident children. You know, when we believe God's promises, you know what we're honoring? We're honoring God. We are honoring his word. And we are honoring what he did at the cross. Can you imagine if, if God had a bunch of children that every day were walking like this with their head down and their back bent over, right? God did everything that he did for you so that you could reign in life. Not, not tomorrow, not in the afterlife, not in heaven, but now, today. God did it today. And if, you don't if we don't have expectation, we, we are dishonoring the cross. We are dishonoring everything that he did at the cross, the path that he walked, every tear that he cried, every blood that splattered. We are dishonoring because we live without expectation or belief. But he did it all at the cross. He did it all. And we have to believe in that and expect we have to live this life like children, not like slaves, but like children. We have to be radiant. Amen? Amen. We have to be radiant. And, you know, and I believe that this is the generation. I believe that this is the generation that believes. I believe that this is the generation that, that is going to see God's hand, not just in little towns here and there, not just for a season or for, for a moment, but this is the generation that's really going to see God's hand move in this nation and all the world. I believe that this is the generation that's not just going to like hear about miracles and pray for miracles, but it's the generation that's going to see the miracles and like be part of the miracles. I believe that this is the generation where cancer is going to be cured. I believe that this is a generation where AIDS will be no more, right? Where poverty will disappear because I believe that it's a generation that God is bringing up and it's making hungry for his promises. That it's just not okay with living with this stuff, right? 
That's saying, no, I believe in what my father has said. I believe in what he said about me, and I'm going to live that out. He's, you know, he's a proud papa. And when he sees his children confident and walking like children of, of God, he's so proud. You know, I know I've met people that have said, well, you know, I don't have any skills. I don't have any talents. I don't, you know, I don't have any promise. Maybe you're in a place like that. Maybe you're in a place where you feel like you have no promise, right? There's nothing going on. Everything go, is going wrong. And the thing is, all you got to do is wake up. All you got to do is wake up and realize who you are. You know, we are the people that actually have to wake up so that we could start dreaming. You know, because your current situation, our current experiences, they're not the reality. The reality is the word of God. That is the reality, that's the fact, is what God says about you, what God says about your life. That's the fact. It's not, the re it's not your experience, it's not your current situation, it's not where you are today. That changes. The Bible says that everything changes, that everything is gone, but his word remains. You know what that means? It's the promise that God has made you remains forever. So. Your bad season is going to pass, right? Your struggle is, gonna, is here today, but gone tomorrow, right? Your bad experience, dude, it's gonna, it's, there's an end to it. But to the word, to the promise, to the things that God has given you, there is no end. It's endless. So we should not let our experiences shape our expectations. And our past doesn't determine our future. It's your belief in God's promise. Sometimes we think that our past determines our future, that where we came from. You know, sometimes we think because I grew up in poverty, I'm just going to be poor. Because my family, never, none of them went to school or were educated, I'm going to be uneducated. Or because my family never got out of that small town, I'm never going to become anyone. But that's not true. Our past does not determine our future. It's our belief in the promises. Amen? Let's go to uh, Acts 7. And we're going to be in verse 2. So it says, this is Abraham's promise. This is the promise that God made to Abraham. To this, he replied, brothers and fathers, listen to me. And this is, um, I believe it's, uh, I don't know if it's Timothy. Not Timothy, it's um, Stephen, uh, the guy that got stoned. So he's, he's kind of paraphrasing about Moses, uh, about Abraham. And he says, to this he replied, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. And he said, leave your country and your people 
God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you, you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even enough ground to set his foot on, but God promised him and his descendants after he would, okay, hold on. But God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess that land, even though at the time Abraham had no child. God spoke to him in this way, for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, God said. Afterwards, they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. As you notice, you know, Abraham, God gives Abraham a promise, but there's some requirements in the promise. God calls him to like leave the place where he's at. You know, sometimes a promise will require movement, right? A promise sometimes will require you to leave some things. A promise will require you to leave maybe a comfort zone, right? Or your past, right? Because you can't take your past to where you're going in your future. Right? God doesn't want you to take those bags with you. God wants you to leave them. He takes them, and you're free. Your past will hold you back. You can't take your past where God's taking you. In your comfort zone, well, you're comfortable there for a reason. It's because you've been there for a long time. Amen? And so a promise will require sometimes you have to move. In the journey of a promise, we might lose things. Abraham lost his father. And it wasn't until he lost his father that he's able to move. And sometimes we might lose some things that I think that at the moment we might think, this is essential. I need this. I've had this for a long time. This is the way that I know how to do things. And you know, it's just what makes me, it's, it's what I've known all my life. And sometimes a promise will require you to lose that, to say goodbye to some things. And sometimes we might look at it as like, it's going to hurt because I'm going to lose this thing. But sometimes it's required to where God is taking you, you know. Sometimes when we lose things, it hurts. But God is doing a good work. And in that moment, you can say, like, you know, God has plans to prosper me and not to hurt me. So if you're hurting, it's not the end. Right? Because the promise is that you're going to prosper. Right? The hurting is just a process. Amen? And a promise will require us to believe and to expect. See, Abraham didn't have inheritance in the land. He didn't even have a foot to call it, like a foot of ground to call his own. But it required him to believe and to expect it. God made him a promise. And he didn't say, God, but like, I don't have a son. Well, he did later. But he didn't say, 
God, how is this going to happen? Like, I don't even own any real estate here. I don't know any agents in the area. And I don't have my down payment. How, how are you going to make this happen? How are you going to give me all this land, right? But he believed and he expected. He moved. And the promise will be a process. You're not going to walk into the promised land tomorrow. Maybe you will. I don't know. But it took some time. It's going to take some time to walk into your promise. Right? We don't start at the top. It's up to you if you start at the bottom, but we don't start at the top. But the promise is that we're going to make it to the top. Right? And uh, last year, we took a family trip, and we took it to uh, Yosemite. And we climbed, I don't know if you guys heard of it, but Half Dome. And it's a, <laughs> it's a grueling uh, 14, 15-hour experience. That it's, you know, when you get up there, you're like, never again, you know. <laughs> you know, but how many of you guys know, I don't know if you guys hike, but how many of you guys know that when you start a hike like that, you're all excited in the morning. Yeah, we're going to go. And you see the, the half dome. It doesn't look that far away. It looks like it's right there. If I just jump over these rocks, like, we'll be there in, no, in just minutes. And everybody's excited in the morning. At, it, the, day, the night before, everybody's like, yeah, getting their stuff ready. And, like, we're going to get up at 5. And we're going to head out, be, be at the trailhead by 6. And, you know, we'll be there by noon and then back by 6 o'clock. And it's all gravy. Everybody's excited, but in the middle of it, in the middle of it, when it all of a sudden becomes 100 degrees, when you're climbing rocks and stairs that go, look like they go nowhere, and all you see is rock, and you're just sweating, you're drinking all the water you have, like you're running out of snacks, and you're just kind of like, man, why did I do this? Like... I'm going to eat a big burger when I get back. You know, that's the process, right? That's the process. But we can see the promise. And see, that's our hope. That's our, our faith. It's our expectations that we're going to get there. Like, it's rough right now, but we're going to get there, right? And... You know, the, the awesome thing about that is that during the process, God provides you streams. God provides you pools of water. You know? He provides people that are like, oh, yeah, I got some extra water. Here you go. And that's God being there for you in the process. And when you get up there, you're like, never again, right? But you got up there. And so sometimes... We'll have to go through those things. You know, the promise requires the process. And it was only when Abraham believed God's promise, when he didn't even have inheritance, that it came true. That Sarah became pregnant with inheritance. When Sarah became pregnant with expectation. See, when Abraham believed God, Sarah became pregnant with promise. And what happened? They started to expect. 
right? They started to expect the promise and the inheritance. But it's only when you believe God is that you become pregnant with promise. And I want to tell you something. It's not what you're believing for, okay? Sometimes we, we say, like, I'm believing for this. I'm believing for that. That's great. But it's not about what you're believing for. It's about who you've believed in. God is enough. God is the center of all things. And I understand, like, sometimes it happens, you know, it's our vocabulary sometimes, but it's, it's not what I'm believing for, but it's who, I'm, who I've believed in. Because it's who I believed in that's going to make all this other stuff happen. You know, I'm not, I, I, I'm believing for miracles, yes, but the miracles come from the Lord. I'm believing for prosperity, yes, but my prosperity comes from the Lord. You know? And it's just, we got to know, it all comes from the Lord. Seek the Lord and all that stuff is going to come. Amen? Let's go to Luke. Luke chapter 1, verse 31. This is where Mary uh, gets, gets visited by the angel. And it says, you will conceive, this is the angel telling Mary the promise. You will conceive, conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Then Mary goes, how will this be? The angel says, oh, Mary says, since I'm a virgin. The angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. <laughs> and then it's funny because and then the angel wants to like pump some confidence in her, right? And so he brings up her cousin, like, even Elizabeth, he says, who, who's old, right? Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. So she was saying, like, you know, even Elizabeth, who is old, is going to have a child. Everything's possible. And she who has said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Amen. And he says, I, and then Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left. You know, what a promise, right? He comes, the angel comes to Mary and delivers the message from God. And he says, you're going to give birth to the savior of the world, to a king kind of ridiculous right you're going to give imagine if an angel showed up ladies and said you're going to give birth to the savior of the world god right <laughs> but that's the kind of god we have he makes ridiculous promises right yeah. 
He makes promises that you're like, I don't even know how you're going to do that. I don't really believe you because I'm a virgin. <laughs> but that's the kind of God we have. We have a big God with big expectations. He's not a small God. He doesn't dream small. We dream small because we think we're small. But God is big, and so are his sons and daughters. So we got to dream big. Our expectations have to be big, right? You're dreaming about a car? You know what? Dream about a dealership. You're dreaming about a house? Dream about commercial real estate, you know? Dreaming about a job. Dream about a career. You know, one day in the office, I had, a, I had an old boss tell me, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember what I, said, what I said to him, right? But I think I said something that just kind of described my confidence in my position at the time, gracefully. And uh, he said to me, you know, your butt writing checks, no, your mouth is writing checks that your butt can't cash. That's what he said to me, right? And I, I didn't even know what he said. I, I was just kind of like, what, butt? <laughs> but you know, sometimes we, we find that like, that we pray prayers according to how much money we got in the bank account. According to what we've seen in the past. According to like what our uh, you know our our prospect is, or how much we think we're gonna have in six months, you know, or what have our experience has told us? How did my mom and dad live? That's how I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray just above that cut, you know. And I think like we can't do that. We gotta realize. We gotta wake up and realize who our father is, and realize like the promises. And if you don't know the promises, they're all in here. They're all in here. These are the promises of God. This is just a love letter from your father telling you how much he loves you, telling you what you're destined to do, that you're destined to reign, and not just survive, but to reign. So if you don't know them, there's free Bibles back there. God has the resources to back up every dream that you have. He's got the resources to back up every word that you could possibly pray. Every prayer that you could possibly pray, God has the resources to meet that prayer. You want to pray about Syria? Go ahead, pray about Syria, because God has a whole storage full of good things for Syria. You want to pray about the United States? Pray about the United States, because God has got legions dedicated to the United States. And all he's waiting for is for a daughter or a son 
to know who they are so that it could start talking. And they could start declaring things. And they could start expecting things to happen. Right? But what do we find ourselves doing sometimes? Oh, you know, it's, it's just getting darker out there. I mean, you know, it's like any minute now we're going to have zombies walking. The end of the world's coming. Things are just going to get worse. You know, the stock market's going to crash. Our lens is a little dirty. You know, we're starting to think like the world. And we got to realize that's not how our father thinks. You think... You think our Father God is up there thinking like, man, these guys really messed up. I'm going to have to call the cleanup crew. And, you know, we're, this is going to take a week. For this. I'm going to go back to the fifth day and redo all this stuff again. No. God's got great things, people. God's got great plans. And all you got to do is say, sign me up. I'm ready. I'm here. Send me. And maybe, maybe you don't know what that looks like. Well, you know what? Start praying about it. Because your, your mouth, you can do more with your mouth than you could ever do with a, with a check, with a dollar. You could do more with your prayer than you could ever do you personally. That's all it takes is you uniting your value system with God and saying, God, I give you my words. I give you my passion. I give you my heart. Here it is. God, your heart is for the nations. My heart is for the nations. My heart is for the people. Your heart is for the people. My heart is for the people. That's all that God wants. It doesn't take any of your resources. He's got it all. You're part of his resource. You know, when... We'll always have a very logical excuse for why we don't do things, right? We'll always have a good excuse for why we don't do things. You know, it's like sometimes <laughs> at home, like, like I'll ask uh, my beautiful wife, you know, she'll like leave something on the floor when she gets into the house. And I'm just very picky like that. I like things in place, you know? And so I walk in and I'm like, babe, why are your shoes like, you got like a collection of shoes here. Why are your shoes here? Well, babe, because I came in late, and I was just tired, and I needed to make dinner, and so I just left them there. And I'm like, okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's an excuse. I don't know if it's a good excuse. <laughs> I'm kidding. But my point is, sometimes we, have, we think what we have is logical reasons for why we don't do things. Mary goes to the angel and he, she says, how is that going to happen? I'm a virgin. That's not possible. And you know what God's answer is? Supernatural. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, right? What if, what if, like, you went to your pastor and you said, you know, we're, we're saving and, like, we want to buy a house. And your pastor said, well, you know, your whole, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to buy that house. You're going to walk out of there like, what? the Holy Spirit. How's the Holy Spirit going to add zeros to my bank account? <laughs> Sometimes it's not logical, guys. 
Sometimes it's not about what makes sense. Sometimes believe, faith, and expectations don't make sense. It's not logical. But God isn't logical. God transcends all logic. God is truth. You think this is your reality? You think that today, what you're doing today is like your reality. This is who you are. I am because of the things that I do. I am because of the things that I, I think or, or, or my past or whatever. No, God is your reality. What God says about you, this right here is your reality. That is who you are. This right here is who you are. This right here is what you're destined for. Amen? You know why God was attracted to Mary? Not in that way, just like, you know, the angel, why they chose Mary. Because Mary was willing to believe. Because Mary's answer was like, I am your servant. Let all that you have told me come true. Mary was willing to believe. And are, are we willing to believe God's promises? Are we willing to say, yes, God, I believe that ridiculous promise that you made me. I believe that it's going to supernaturally happen. I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to help me with this. Because if we do, you know what's going to happen? We're going to get pregnant with promise. And we're going to start expecting those things that the angel told us to come true. But we got to have faith. And I feel like the word faith has lost its, its power. You know, faith isn't just a word that you say at the end of the sentence. It's not just like, oh, yeah, but, you know, I, you know, I have faith in God. Faith isn't hopeless hope. Faith isn't like your, uh, your scapegoat when, you know, nothing's worked and everything, oh, I just... Throw it in the faith pile over there. We're going to have faith for that one. Faith without expectation isn't faith, y'all. It's not faith. Faith without expectation isn't faith. Hebrews 11 says, Faith is the assured expectation of what is hoped for. The evident demonstration of realities not seen. The key word here is assured expectation. Assured to me means guaranteed. Guaranteed. You're guaranteed that what you have faith in is going to come. That's God's promise to you. Is that what you're willing to believe in is what you're going to receive. But you got to start asking. We got to start expecting. Hope, I want to make this really clear. Hope is not faith. Sometimes we throw hope and faith in the same box and we think it's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. Okay? Let's read the text. It says, faith is the assured expectation of things hoped for. What does it mean? Faith is the expectation of the things that you hope for. 
So faith is actually expecting the things that you hope for. It's not hope. You know, it's not like, you know, you, exp- you have a family member and you're like, well, I hope that they're able to make it. I'm like, no, I'm expecting him at seven. I'm going to go pick him up at the airport. That's two different things. Hope and expectation are two different things. Faith is expectation. You're guaranteed expectation of the things that you hope for, of the promises that God has made you, of the personal promises that you have with God, that he's made your family, that he's made for your generation, that he's made corporately for the church, that he's made for this nation, for this world, for everything. That is faith. The expectation, we expect Jesus Christ to come back. We don't hope for Jesus Christ to come back. Can you imagine if we were hoping for Jesus to come back? Jesus Christ. Right? No, we're expecting Jesus to come back. That is our faith. Faith and hope are two different things. Let's have faith. You know that faith, being faithful, is just being full of faith? You know that faithful, your faithfulness to God, is just being full of faith. It's just believing God in its entirety. Believing God for every word that he said, for every promise that he's made you, for everything that he said will pass. That is being faithful. You believe in God. Maybe your experience is different. Maybe what you're looking at is not what God promised. But it's not the end. You got to remain faithful. Remain full of faith. You want to be faithful to God? Be filled with faith in God. The Bible says that Abraham believed every word God gave him, every promise he made, and that counted to him as righteousness. Let us believe God for every word that he said, no matter how it sounds, no matter if, if we think that it's far away. No, let us believe it. Because it will be counted as righteousness. Faith that does not expect is not faith. We can't just say, put stuff in a faith pile. We have to expect these things. When we start expecting, that's when we truly have faith. I mean, when we start expecting the things that God has said, we truly have faith. If we believe God that things are going to get better, then we start expecting things to get better. And we start looking not at things that they get worse, but that they're going to get better. We start celebrating the small things, the good things. What does the expectation look like? You know, Moses was in Egypt for 40 years, being a prince, being a warrior. And then... Then he, you know, when Moses, Moses knew his people. Moses knew who he was. Moses knew that he was a Jew. He says that then at one point he decided to go look, visit his people. But he knew he was a Jew. And so he spent 40 years in 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 the palace. And then one day he decides, you know what? I'm gonna liberate my people. I... This oppression that's going on with my people, that's not cool. I'm going to liberate my people. 
You know why he wanted to do that? Because there was an expectation. See, he had heard the prophecies that in 400 years, the people were going to be free. That in the fourth generation, those people were going to go back to their land. And Moses knew that. Moses knew that there was a prophecy. And Moses knew, like, hey, we're, we're going to get out of here. We're going to take this, these people out. But he went about it the wrong way. He tried to take a shortcut there to the promise. He's, he, he thought that he was going to get the people to the promised land the way that he was doing business in Egypt. Well, he was a prince. But we can't do things. We can't get to the promise the way that the world gets to their, how they get to their promise. See, we can't get to our promise the way the world gets to their ends. We can't do it the same way. God has one way, and it's his way. And so Moses has to spend another 40 years in the desert, right? Until God starts working in his heart and in his mind and in who he is as a person. And he changes him from the inside out. And then God says, you're ready to pastor my people. You're ready to guide my people out of Egypt. That's expectation. 80 years of expectation. He hung on to faith. You think that when Moses was in the desert for 40 years, he didn't think about his people? He thought about his people. He thought about his people. But he was in the process. The man at the pool, he was there for 50, the man at the pool was there for 38 years. For 38 years waiting for his miracle. But he went every day to the pool expecting his miracle. 38 years. How long would it take for us? You think we would have made the 38 years? This man was there 38 years every day, every day to the pool, every day to the pool expecting God to come by. And one day God did show up. The woman with the issue of blood, 12 years with the issue of blood, every day with this issue. How did she expect? When she heard, Jesus is walking over there. Jesus, she heard the good news. Jesus is around the block. You know what she did? She got out of her house and she ran. She ran and she saw the crowd and she got in that crowd and she reached out for Jesus. After 12 years, are we reaching out for Jesus after 12 years? Are we letting our experiences, you know, dictate how, how we reach for Jesus? Are we giving up on our promises that God has given us? Are we low on expectation? The guy that I met, 20, 25 years with AIDS, is the Lord. Yeah, he is my Lord, my Savior. He sustains me. How are we expecting? You know, we should never base our expectations on our experiences. Not on our past, 
not where we've been, not on our struggles or our difficulties, not on the giants that we face, not on our, you know, dysfunction. God is greater than any dysfunction. God is greater than any problem, any struggle, or any past. He is the final word. He is greater than whatever you're going through. We're not where we came from or what we did or the sins that we committed or our struggles or our challenges or our dysfunction. You're not that. You're not any of that. You are what God says you are. You're a son and daughter of God. And you should have high expectations because his promises are big. As children of God, we cannot afford to have low expectations. It's just not in our vocabulary. It's not in our DNA. I can't, I won't, I don't, I'll never. I have no skills, no talents. We have to take confidence in him. You know that he wants a confident people. He wants his children to be confident. You know, it's like the dad that or the mom that goes to see their child at a, you know, an art something or performance. You know how proud that papa or that mama are when they go see the kid? They're proud because it's their kid. Who? As a father or a mother wants to see their kid dragging their foot back, go like this, nobody. God doesn't want to see us that way. God has high expectations. When, when we are a confident bunch, we are honoring God. When we're confident in our daily life and we, and we say and we decide, we look, there's nothing impossible. I can do all things through Christ. You know, I'm more than a conqueror. You know what we're doing? God is, being, God is saying, yes, that's who you are. That's my son right there. That's my daughter right there. We honor him when we do that. We're royalty. And when we act like royalty, we honor the king. We honor what the king did. We honor the cross. God paid a price for all the things, all our dreams and promises. He paid a price. You think that your promise or your dream came free? Did not come free. Jesus paid the price for your promise and your dream. You know, we can't have that kesera, sera attitude. What will be, will be. You know, sometimes we do that. I've done that in the past. Where you go, oh, yeah, you're talking about something. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, if it's God's will, it'll happen. We just throw it in a God's will pile too, you know. We got a pile for faith and we got a pile for God's will. You can't live that way. You know that God's will for you is to prosper you? You know that God's will for you is that all your dreams come alive? that you live like a conqueror in life, that's God's will for you. You know what it is, is that we've come accustomed 
to a culture of slavery. We were in Egypt for a while, and, and now we're told what we were used to being told what to do. And we were used to being told, this is what you're going to do. You're just going to make stones and put stones on top of stones and put stones on top of stones, and, and you're going to make pyramids for, for a pharaoh. But God says, no, you don't have to put stones on top of stones anymore. You can just enjoy the fruit and the plentiful of this land. And he says, no, you can dream. You can become all, whatever you want. You don't have to be a stone maker. You can be whatever you want because I have the resources. Because I've made you a dreamer. And so we think that we have no say in what God is doing in our lives. But I want you to know that you have more control over the paintbrush of your life than what you think you do. God's just kind of waiting on you. He's kind of waiting on you. It's like, what will my son believe me for? What will my daughter believe me for? Does she believe my words? Does he believe my words? Because if he does, oh my gosh, there's no, no impossibility. I love this. David says, in this I know that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I love that verse. I, 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 tell that, I tell that to myself. Like, I know, God, that I will see your goodness in the land of the living. That it will not be in the tomorrow. Yes, of course. That's a given. See, it's like, it's like the hike. Like, when I'm up there, I'm going to be up there. Like, that's a given. I'm going to be up there. But today, God, you promised me today that I will see your goodness. I will see your goodness today. And I'm expecting to see your goodness tomorrow. And I'm expecting all my brothers and sisters to also be good. And we're going to be so good that everybody out there is going to be good too. Because of the, just the radiance coming off of us. Amen? You know, why is it important to expect? You know, because what we expect is what we attract. You ever see this? Like, you start liking a car, or you, you, in your mind you think, like, I'm going to get that M5 BMW 2012. Yeah, that's an awesome car. And guess what? You start seeing M5, M5s, 2012s everywhere. Oh, there goes one. There goes the blue one. There goes the green one. And you start seeing, like, you start... Because it's gravitating. Why? Because that's what you already in your mind set yourself up to be. You're choosing to see. So why is it important that you expect good things? Because you'll attract good things if you expect good things. If you expect darkness in the end of the world, you're going to expect dark. You're going to get darkness in the end of the world, in your own world. It might not end out there, but it might end for you. Because that's what you're expecting. If you expect to never do anything, guess what? You'll never do anything. We got to have great expectations. You know, I love this story about Jacob and the spotted goats. Right? It's like, 
one of the crazy stories in the Bible. Like, it doesn't even make sense. God doesn't have to make sense. Jacob, he, he decides that the way he's going to get paid by his father-in-law, because his father-in-law is a cheater and he's cheating him out of money, he says, you know what? You keep the good goats, the ones that are just white or black, and I keep the ones that are spotted. So Laban goes and he's like, okay, that's, that's cool. That's all I'll pay you. Because he thought, I only have a few of those, right? So then he sends those spotted ones and he puts them somewhere else, right? So that his family can control the reproduction of them. And then Jacob is taking care of, the, of Laban's goats, so the, the good ones. So he's like, well, you know what I'm going to do? Is what I'm going to do is that there's a little thing of water that they go drink water from. And what I'm going to do is, because I know that when the goats go there to drink water, they also mate by the water. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut some trees or some branches down, and I'm going to peel the branches so that they have stripes. And I'm going to put these branches next to the water so that when they go and drink water and they mate, while they're mating, they're looking at the branches. And this is going to reproduce spotted goats. How crazy does that sound? I mean, who thinks about this? Right? Jacob had an imagination. And that's what he does. And you know what happens? Spotted goats start reproducing. And all of a sudden, he becomes a wealthy man because of what he believed and expected. You know, if he had told that to his best friend, his best friend would have been like, you're crazy, dude. That's never going to happen. How's that even logical? (laughs) Right? But he did it, and he expected God's miracle. He expected God to move in what he believed in that would happen. And that's an amazing story because it also says of what happens as believers, that what we see, we reproduce. See, if we, all we see is poverty, guess what we're going to reproduce? Poverty. If a kid never gets off the ho- out of the hood, you know what he's going to reproduce? The hood. Un- unless God is with him and he expects better. But if a kid only knows a broken home, like that's what he's going to reproduce. Unless there is a change in their life. Unless the expectations are different. And what I'm saying is, we got to expect greater. We have to expect that God, no matter how he's going to do it, no matter how much it doesn't make sense, he's going to do it. But all it takes is us saying, God, yes, I believe you. And I believe that I am a son and a daughter of God. And God, I believe that you're in my movement. That what I've chosen to do, God, you're going to prosper. What we believe in Jesus' name will reproduce. I know that in life, things get tough sometimes. I know that you, you might be saying, and I've gone through seasons like this, when I say, you know, nothing's going right. I feel like God let me down. I prayed for this, and they died, you know. Or I really believe God for this, but it hasn't come true. And I want to tell you that, Everybody has that. No matter who you are, 
you have that. You have that season in your life when you went through something like that. No matter how much money you have, no matter what you're doing, you, we've all had that situation happen where we feel like God has let us down or the promise isn't coming true. You know, but we have to remain faithful. We have to remain full of faith. Because no matter how we think it might be injustice or, Lord, it's not fair. See, what this man was doing to Jacob was not fair. But God was there with him. And all it took is Jacob to believe some crazy promise so that he can expect and get what he deserved. Amen? You know, sometimes we get to places and we think like, God, I got here. You called me to this and I'm here. There's nothing here. Right? God, you called me to this place. I got here. There's nothing here. And we think God has let us down. Or we get to a place and we think, Lord, there's not much here either. You know, you know that when Elijah, when God told Elijah to go to the brook, that he was going to provide for him there and sustain him there, God called Elijah to the brook because everywhere else was going to be dried up. And he said, you know, I'm going to sustain you here. In the brook is going to, you know, feed you. We're gonna, you're going to drink water from the brook. But then one day, the brook dried up. How do, how do we react? What is our attitude, our perspective when the brook dries up? Do we give up on God and we say, like, Lord, you know what? You, didn't, you, didn't, you weren't true for, to your word, and you didn't meet my expectations, God. I'm just, you know, I'm walking away from this. No, Elijah waited on God. He waited on God. He said, he said well, the brook dried up, so it might, it's not the end. I'm going to seek the Lord. What's the next word? So Elijah, then God tells him not, go, to the, go to, the, uh, to, the, to the lady's house, to the widow's house. And so then Elijah goes to the widow, widow's house. Guess what? When he gets to the widow's house, there's no food there. There's no drink there. There's no food. What does Elijah do? How do, what is our perspective? What, what are what is our attitude when we get to the place where God has promised us or he said, no, you know what, wait for me here. I'm doing a good work. And we get there and there's nothing happening. There's no food. There's no drink. Elijah goes to the widow's house and, and he doesn't realize that he's actually the provision for the widow. He doesn't realize that he is the widow's answered prayers. And sometimes what happens is like we're, we're a prayer answered to some people. And we realize, and we don't, we don't realize that we're there for a reason. We're there because we are the refreshment. We're there to sustain. And we're there to multiply. Amen. Because the, the provision is not in the brook. God's blessing is not in the brook. And it's not in the widow. 
It's in the word. God's blessing is in the word. God's blessing is in the promise. It's not in the house or in the car or in the job. It's not in your bank account, no matter how many zeros you got there. It's not in your education. It's not in your past. It's not in your family. It's in the word. The provision is in here. So wherever you go, wherever we go, we're the provision. The provision is in us. God's promise is in his word. We expect because of his word, not because of where we are or how much money we have or what our education is, but it's in the word. It's in the word and the promise of God. Amen? You know, it's funny how, I'm about to end here, but it's funny how, like, God in Genesis, he says, he says, you're going to rule, you're going to rule over creation. I think the, the word is, uh, you're going to be fruitful and multiply, and you will subdue the earth. That's the promise to man, right? To creation, to man, and, and just man. And it's funny how we've downgraded that to <clears throat> a car, a house, a career, a family. All those things are great. But what I'm saying is like, the promise is up here. The expectation is up here. He said, be fruitful and multiply in some do the earth. And what we wanted to do is like subdue the dog, subdue our finances. And that's all great, but our expectations are down here. We have to have high expectations. If we realize God's promises, we realize that they're big promises. And we have to high, we have to have big expectations. Let's not be the generation that doesn't come into the promised land. Because we settle. We settle for what we know. We settle for what we've known. Or we settle for what the world is doing. Let's be the generation that believes God for everything that he's promised. And let's walk into the promise. Let's walk into that promise. Let's be like the lady with the blood issue. And let's reach out for Jesus. See, because sometimes the promise is going to require you to reach out for Jesus. And sometimes Jesus is going to come to you like the man at the pool. It's not either or. It's not like, well, you know, well, I don't have to do anything because, you know, if it's God's will, it's going to happen. <laughs> you might be waiting at the pool for 38 years. Sometimes expectation is going to require you to reach out and grab the mantle. So let's get pregnant with promise and start expecting. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.